Hey, this is Pastor Chris Garcia from Numa Church, and we're so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. I pray that as you listen to today's message, God will speak to your heart in a powerful way. So today, we are starting a new series, okay, for this month of September, and this series is called Go and Tell. Can you repeat that with me? Go and tell. Go and tell, all right? And what we're going to be talking about in this series is about talking with other people about Jesus, about sharing our faith with other people, all right? Now, I know that sometimes that becomes hard, it becomes uncomfortable, and during this series, I'm actually going to be giving you tools all right, that you're going to be able to use to sort of like break the ice and how do you start those conversations and stuff like that. But I want you to know that these are the final instructions that Jesus gave us when he came here to earth. Okay, if you go with me in your Bibles to Matthew 28, okay, Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And we're going to read what Jesus' final uh, instructions were before he ascended to heaven. And it says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Say with me, go. Okay, so Jesus is telling us to do what? To go. Go and make disciples of all the nations. All right? And when we're talking about nations here, okay, guys, it's not geographical places. It's talking about ethnic groups. So literally, okay, is a lot more than 293 nations that I think that we have right now in our world, okay? It has to do with ethnic groups. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. How many say amen to that? Jesus promised to be with us always, even to the end of the age. This that we just read is known as the Great Commission. Jesus is commissioning his church. He's commissioning his disciples. Now, when we talk about sharing our faith, we think about two things. Number one, who is it that I'm supposed to share with? Who am I supposed to talk to, okay? And number two, all right, how do I share my faith with those people? So you're out there and you're looking, you're like, okay, am I supposed to talk to this guy? No, you know, am I supposed to talk to that guy? Well, you know, I don't know. And I don't want you going crazy about this, all right? So we're going to be talking about this in the series. Now, we're supposed to share our faith, number one, with those people that do not know God the Father the same way that you and I know him. And those people that have not yet entered into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Why Jesus Christ? Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So today we have many different religions being preached. Many different things going on out there. But Jesus is the only one that says, it's through me that you got to come. And we got to receive that and believe it by faith. By faith we believe that. So, so we share that with other people. All right? Now, we also, listen to what I'm going to say, is who do I share it with and how do I do it? Today, I want to focus on the who do I share it with. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, okay, we got to share it with those that are out there that don't know. Yeah, we definitely do, and we're going to talk about that. 
But today I'm going to give a twist to the series to start it off that you probably don't even expect that I'm going to go in this direction. But today I want to invite you, church, okay, to this adventure of understanding that you and I need to share our faith with the next generation. We need to share our faith with who? With the next generation. We can't keep to ourselves what God has done in our lives and have our children and our grandchildren rise up and not even know what God has done in our hearts and our lives. We need to share it with them. We've got to tell them. So when I say go and tell, go and tell that next generation. Go and tell them what God has done in our lives. I'm talking about our children. I'm talking about our grandchildren. I'm talking about our nieces, nephews. I'm talking about our youth. Today's message, I've titled it, Standing Up for the Next Generation. Standing up for the next generation. And it's very important what, what I'm going to tell you in this moment, all right? Because if you're here and like, well, you know, all my children grew up. This is not for me. No, we all have a part in this. We all have a part in standing up for the next generation, which whether it's your sons, daughters, whether it's your grandchildren, whether it's nieces and nephews that you have, or whether it's kids that are all around us. Young people that are around us. There's a story that you and I have to share with them. There's something that we got to tell them. So you see, today's teaching, I'm going to break it into three parts. The first part, I'm going to preach to you guys a little bit. I'm a pastor. You know, some pastors are supposed to come up here and preach a little bit. All right. Then number two, I'm going to let you know as a church what we're doing to reach this next generation. And then the third part of, of this teaching this morning, I'm going to give you three practical things that we could all, okay, put into practice that will help us stand for this next generation, all right? So let's start. The generation that I'm talking about here today is called Generation Z, okay? Generation Z, like in zebra, all right? These guys were born between 1995 and 2015, so I know that some of you guys out there are like super bummed out. You're like, man, I thought I was part of that generation, okay? You have to have been born from 1995. That's scary because I graduated in 1995, <laughs> all right? These guys are born in 1995 to 2015. So they're currently within the ages of 7 and 27 years old. We have any 7 to 27-year-olds out there today? Any 7 to 20? All right, we're talking about you guys. <laughs> we got a couple of them back there, all right? Listen, that makes up right now one out of four Americans. One out of four Americans. 74 million people in our nation right now fall under the category of Generation C. 74 million. That's crazy, all right? Now, listen to this. Two out of three are either leaving church or have left church already. Two out of three of them. They're twice as likely as any other generation to become atheists. And only 3% of them say that they read their Bible on a regular basis. Only 3%. That is crazy. There's a graph that I want you guys to see up here on the screen. And we could put uh, the graph that I have back there. Check this out. So this is a percentage of Christians in the U.S. by generation. And if you look back here, the generation of World War II, 84%, there were Bible-believing Christians that would go to church. Then we go to the boomers, 76%. 
Then we go to Gen X, which that's mine, and I thought we were pretty bad, but that's 67%. Then we go to the millennials, 49%. They say they believe in Jesus. Gen Z, 38%. But look at the slide that goes down to the one that comes after 2016. Okay? Generation Alpha, 26%. And after that one, it goes down to 15%. In other words, guys, what I'm talking to you about today is the future of our faith, and it's the future of Christianity. Some of these stats show that by 2052, and some of you guys are like, oh, Pastor, I'm going to be long gone by that time. Hey, listen, it's important, because you have a part in this. By 2052, if we continue this trend, and this trend doesn't change, there'll be more, okay, Muslims in our nation than Christians. What does that mean that we need to make, okay, disciples, like Jesus said, but of who? Of the following generation. We can't lose our children, church. We can't lose our young people. We need to understand that they're not the future. No, they're the present. And they're very important for God. You see, it was the most isolated generation in history. And then came COVID. (laughs) And what did COVID do? It made them even more isolated. You know that the stats say that this generation that I'm talking about, Generation C, spends between four and seven hours every day on their phone or some sort of device? Between four and seven hours. You know what that is? What are they doing, Pastor? Gaming, social media, videos, or chatting? That's what makes up that time. Seven hours just there on a screen. So what does that do? It isolates them. It puts them by themselves. They could be in a room full of people, but just sitting down on a phone, not relating with anybody. So many would say, Pastor, we have a problem. But I'm going to tell you something different. We don't have a problem. We have an opportunity. We don't have a problem. We have an opportunity to make a difference in this next generation. One of the things that I, heard, I, I learned from one of my mentors many years ago, that the Asian culture doesn't have the word problem in their dictionary. They have the word opportunity. Because for every problem that you and I see, they see an opportunity in front of them. And what do we have in front of us? We have an opportunity. How do you know that, Pastor? Because 75% of these teens that were polled, they say they would come to church if invited. 75%. That's three out of four that say, hey, I would go to church if somebody would invite me. And 41% says that they would come for sure. And 34% say that they would most likely come. So the question that I have for each and every one of us in this room, you guys that are watching online, how deep is the burden that we have to reach this next generation? How deep is the burden that we have to reach this next generation? In the Bible... There's a story of a man called Nehemiah. And in the times of Nehemiah, things had gone completely south for the nation of Israel. Actually, they weren't even living in Israel anymore. They had been taken captive to Babylon. The walls had been torn down that protected the city. And when we talk about walls falling down, that's the condition of our world right now. That's the condition of our nation right now. Walls represent good systems, values, traditions. All those things have completely fallen down in our time right now. 
And Nehemiah found himself in Babylon, which was a governing top nation in the world at that moment. And he was the cupbearer for the king. And one day the king saw him all sad and goes, Nehemiah, what's going on with you? And Nehemiah said, is that I just found out the condition of my people in the land of Israel. The city is destroyed. And the king tells him, what would you like to do, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah says, I would like to go back and I would like to rebuild the walls. I would like to go back and rebuild the nation. I would like to go back if you would send me. And the king says, I will give you everything you need to go back and rebuild. And I want to know if there's some Nehemiahs here today. If there's some Nehemiahs that will see the condition of our nation, see the condition of our world, see the condition of our next generation, and instead of complaining or saying, oh, this is what's going on, or this is this person's fault, or this is the parent's fault, will say, hey, well, I'm alive, I'm going to make a difference. Well, I'm here, I'm going to do something about this. I'm not going to stay with my arms crossed and let the devil have all this destruction and all this fun. No, 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 no. I'm going to raise up a standard. And I'm going to let the next generation know the good things that God has done for me. I'm going to let the next generation know how real and how mighty and how powerful he is. It cannot die with us, church. It cannot die with us. So Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. One verse I want to read to you to put a foundation for this. Look what Nehemiah says. He says, after I looked things over. What did Nehemiah do? He evaluated the situation. He looked things over. He took an assessment. And he said, okay, this is the condition that things are in right now. He looked things over. It says, I stood up. I stood up. And that's why I titled this message today, Standing Up for the Next Generation. Because God is looking for some people that will look things over and say, oh no, not on my watch. I'm standing up. I'm going to rise up in this moment. Nehemiah stood up and said to the nobles, to the officials, and the rest of the people. He gathered all the important people. He gathered, he gathered the church people. He gathered the believers. He said, listen, we got to stand up. This is what I'm looking. And look at what he tells them. Don't be afraid of them, he said. Remember the Lord. He says, we're not going to be afraid of this situation. Remember God. Remember he is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Numa Church, today I am calling you to fight for your families, for your children, for your wives, for your brothers, for your home. This is the time that we stand up. We need to fight for our families. Because if we don't do it, church, nobody else is going to do it. If we don't fight for our children, no one else is going to do it. We all have a role with this next generation. We all have a role. We all have a part. We all need to stand up for this next generation. And some people look at the situation and say, well, pastor, the thing is that they're not interested. My kids don't want to hear about God. My grandchildren don't want to hear about God. They don't want to know what God has done in my life, and you just stay away from me. And I want to tell you that that's not true. There was a survey done by this amazing church that is actually a mentor church. It was called Church of the Highlands. And they did a survey. They polled the kids that go into that church. And they, they asked them one question. It was an open-ended question. This was the question. Okay? And they had to fill it out. I wish my parents knew 
dot, dot, dot. And they had to say whatever they wished that their parents knew that they don't know about. And this is what some of these kids said that it was so powerful. I wish my parents knew, even though my actions don't always show it, I desperately want to please them. I wish my parents knew how much I love them, even though I don't always say it. I wish my parents knew how much I treasured their advice, even when I acted like I could care less. They care about it. It is important to them. This young girl said, I wish my dad knew how much I loved holding his hand, even when I would act like it would embarrass me in front of my friends. I wish they wouldn't let me date a guy. Oh, I, I wish my parents knew that when they wouldn't let me date a guy and I acted mad, I was really thankful that they were fighting for me. Come on, dads. We got to fight for our girls. We got to fight for our girls. Come on. Got a couple of shotguns ready at home to fight for my girl. Two of them. I wish my parents, instead of threatening to punish me, would actually do it. How many of us, I'm going to punish you, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. No, you got to do it, man. <laughs> They're saying that. I wish my parents knew that when I saw them fight all the time, it really messed me up. I wish my parents knew that their words impacted me more than any others. Things that I don't remember, that they don't remember, but these things have changed my life. I wish I could be open with them about my mistakes. I wish my parents knew the evils that I face every day. I wish my parents knew the fear I hide behind my rebellion. A lot of times you see kids that are rebellious and you're like, what do I do with this kid? And this person is saying, hey, I'm just hiding all my fears behind that. I wish my parents knew how hard it is to stay pure. And these are just some of them. These are not all the, the things that the kids say. But when I read this, it stirred up something inside of me. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to stand idly by. Well, there's a generation that comes here to Numa and calls me their pastor, and I'm just going to cross their, my arms and let them be lost. No, I'm going to stand up in Jesus' name for this generation. And as a church, we're going to take measures, and we're going to do things to make sure that our young people, all the way from little ones all the way to high school and college, they're giving all the nourishment, and they're giving all the tools that they need so that they could be men and women of God in the times that we're living, and that they could go out there and make a difference in this world. That's what we're going to do. Why? Because one of our core values here at Numa Church is what? Generational mentality. We have 10 core values. And you could go to our webpage and read what are those 10 core values, but one of them is generational mentality. What does that core value say? Well, it's based out of Psalm 145, verse 4. This says, one generation will praise your works to another and declare your mighty acts. One generation will declare to the next generation the mighty acts of God. So church, it's time to rise up. It's time to rise up. It's time to fight for this next generation. So, as part of fighting, is creating a plan. You don't just go out there and fight. Jesus said, listen, if there's a war coming, you don't just go and fight. No, no, first you sit down, you know, and you evaluate the situation. And you sort of like build a plan to see if you can win the war, you know, and you're ready for it. So, part of that plan is having one 
and educating the people so that the people know, okay, this is what we're going to do. So some of the things that I'm going to mention here today might be new for some of you that guys that are just coming in to NUMA. And another thing that I'm going to mention here are some things that have been implemented, but we're tweaking everything right now. Okay? One of the things that my wife and I like to say is write things in pencil instead of pen. What does that mean? Anytime we could erase those things, as long as it's not the vision, the vision is clear what we're supposed to do. As a church, we exist to help people love God, be free, live on purpose, and make a difference. We're not going to negotiate that. But all the systems and all the other things, you know what? We need to evaluate them to make sure that they're giving the results that we need to see. And part of that has to do with our kids. Part of that has to do with our youth. So I'm going to go through our plan here for a moment, okay? And then I'm going to close out this message with three things that I need everybody in this room to do, okay? So what's the plan, Numa, that we have? Well, I'm going to start with our kids' ministry. By the way, our kids' and youth ministry is called G2G. What does G2G mean? Generation to generation, all right? And uh, I'm going to start first with our G2G kids. Anybody from G2G kids that serves in G2G kids here this morning? Can you guys stand up and can we put a round of applause for these guys? Stand up. We have two of our teachers here today that they work with our little ones. Thank you so much. They're receiving now and then during the second service they go and serve and then the other ones come in here and receive. All right. So our G2G kids goes all the way from toddlers okay, to fifth grade, all right? If you can walk, we have a room for you over there. We have a space for you over there, all right? And this is important. It's not babysitting, okay? Even from the little ones, you're going to see that we're training them. We're being active. We're working with them. Right now, they're doing a series, an Avengers series. Anybody like superheroes out there? All right, they're doing a series based on the Avengers, all right? And last week, they had all the superheroes there. And then from here to mid-October, they're going to be doing that series where every week there's two superheroes that are going to be interacting with them. And it's based on the story of the Infinity Stones. You know, if you've seen the movie, each of those Infinity Stones had a special power. Well, what we're teaching them is that they all have a special power given to them by the Holy Spirit and helping them discover what that power is so that they could walk in that. It's an amazing series. And it's the superhero that is teaching that to them. You know, so you have Iron Man talking to you about the gifts of the Spirit. Come on, somebody. That's exciting. I would go to a church and I have, I have the Hulk in front of me, man. Actually, I need some auditions. We need some Hulks because the guy that's dressed like the Hulk over there needs a little bit of help, you know. So, uh, CJ, maybe you can help me train that guy over there, man. But anyway, but it's so much fun. So that series is going to go all the way through October. All right, then November and December, or November, we're going to go into the Thanksgiving series. December, we're going to go into Christmas series. All right. Oh, and by the way, you know that that series was put together by one of our high schoolers? By one of our high schoolers. Ixibela Ferretti was the one that put that whole material together. So our kids are actually doing a material that one of our kids put together. Isn't that powerful? That's so awesome. All right. Now, starting in January, say with me, January. All right. Pastor, you're focusing on January already. You bet, man. We're in September. We're going to close our eyes and in a moment. It's like end of 2022, beginning of 23. All right. So beginning in January, Pastor, what are we going to be doing with our kids from the toddlers all the way uh, to fifth grade? Number one, engaging praise and worship for the little ones. We believe that for them, praising Jesus needs to be fun, needs to be intentional. 
all right? They got to look forward to it. So we're going to be working on that. Small groups. Our little ones are going to be doing small groups that are going to be age-specific and gender-specific. What do you mean? That we're going to group them up by their ages, all right? And we're going to put boy with boy and girl with girl so that we can start building them up according to the design that God had put in them. All right? So they're going to have small groups. And then they're going to have a graded curriculum. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, with our little ones, we're building a six-year plan. Six-year plan. 52 Sundays for six years. It's going to be systematic, and it's going to be building upon each lesson. In other words, the plan is to get them, okay, all the way from first grade all the way to sixth grade, and every year is one lesson that is building upon the lesson from the year before. Every Sunday is going to be intentional. What does that mean, church? This is what that means, that we need you guys to be intentional in bringing them. We need you to be intentional and bring it. You know what our percentages of our kids next door? They come every three weeks. What does that mean? They come one week, and then they take off two. Then they'll come from two, but then they'll leave for five. Parents, we need you guys to be intentional in the formation of your kids. We're going to do our best, but we need you guys to give us your best. We need you guys to come. And I'm not talking about taking a vacation. Hey, listen, I'm all for going, you know, to Orlando and taking a vacation. We all need vacation. All right, but you can't be vacationing two Sundays out of the four that we have in the month. All right, because if that's your lifestyle, I want you to adopt me into your family. <laughs> Is that how you roll? I want to roll with you. No, I'm kidding. We need to be intentional with the building of our young people. We need to be intentional with the building of our children. All right. So parents, we need you involved, okay, in the spiritual formation of your kid. Starting in January, we're going to give you guys a handout of what they're learning every Sunday. And they're going to teach you the main points that they learn, the verse of the day, and listen to this. Three questions for you guys to do at home with them during that Sunday night dinner or during the week. So that you guys could be engaged. Because some of you guys as parents are like, I don't even know what to talk to them about. We're going to give it to you. But I don't want the paper to be on your night table, okay? The January paper and it to be November. Like, oh my God, I forgot to do this with my kid. <laughs> All right? We need to be intentional. We need to be on top of it. All right? Now let's talk about our G2G youth, okay, which is middle school and high school. Where are the youth leaders at? Any of them here today? Guys, can you stand up real quick? We got some of our youth leaders here from G2G. Let's put our hands together for them. I love these guys. All right. With the youth, okay, we're implementing a different format. And it's something that's been in my heart for over five years. And my wife will say probably more. All right. But we're finally implementing this because I believe it's the right moment. How's that going to look like, Pastor? Well, number one, we're going to have weekly meetings every Friday night. All right, I know that COVID hit us hard and then we started little by little and we didn't know, you know, if to open, not to open. Listen, we're going to have weekly meetings every Friday night, but here's a big one. All right, we're going to have one big service, okay, that is going to be called G2G night. All right, and that's going to be the second Friday of every month. So second Friday of every month, we're going to have a G2G night. 
which is going to be a big time service with a lot of things going on, live praise and worship, great speakers that we're going to be bringing to speak to these kids. We're going to have fun. We're going to have game. There's going to be so many things that are going to be going on because we want to draw in even kids that are not here, but that are part of our community, that are they're friends of some of your kids that will come to something like that. All right. When is the first G2G night? This Friday coming up, because this Friday coming up is the second Friday of September. All right. And we're going to have our worship team up here and we're going to have a great time. And then we have a good friend of mine, Pastor Rich Romero. All right. From Generations Church is a picture. I think that we have a Pastor Rich that we could put that up there for you guys that might not know who he is. He's a young fellow, I mean, amazing. Uh, he's doing a great job with this amazing church that he's raising up. And uh, he's going to be our guest speaker this Friday night. So parents, I want to ask you, bring your kids. It's going to be bilingual. This is very important. All right, there's Pastor Rich right there, looking young and handsome and strong and ready to take on all the work that needs to be done. Listen, our G2G nights are going to be bilingual. Because I know that we have a lot of young people that are coming from other countries right now. We don't want to miss out on them. We want them to be able to connect on everything that is going on and everything that we're doing. So that's going to be one Friday of the month. The other three Fridays of the month, okay, we're going to have small group discipleship. Okay, we're going to break them up into, into small groups. Listen to this. It's not going to be informational, but it's going to be transformational. We're not going to give them information and drive it down their throat. No, we want to put them in small groups that will bring transformation to their lives. That they can encounter Jesus. That they can build right relationships with the people that are going to be there. All right? And they can learn what it is to, to open up. I'm actually connecting for this with one of my old mentors when I was a youth pastor. His name is Ron Luce. And he used to lead this amazing organization called Teen Mania. And every year we used to go to Acquire the Fire. It was a big event. Thousands of kids everywhere. During this season, God has brought them back to my life to help me put together what we're going to be doing with our kids. And this is so exciting, okay, because the material that we're working to build for our young people, listen to this, is going to start at 13 years old, okay, and it's going to be building, 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 building till they're 21 years old. They're going to be seeing different things in those small groups during all these formative years in their life. I want to tell you, your kids are going to learn how to read the Bible. They're going to learn Bible verses. They're going to learn to love Jesus. They're going to learn to walk in the Spirit. They're going to learn to share their faith. I don't know if you're excited about that, man, but I'm about to like take over the role of youth pastor or something, man, because I'm ready to see God do some great things in this place for our kids. It's going to be systematic lessons being built one upon the other. And it's going to start at 13. And you might ask, Pastor, why at 13 years old? If we could put the other graph, guys, back there. This graph. So in my years, when I was growing up, it said that a young person's biggest chance to give their life to Jesus was under 18 years old. That 18 was like the cap. That by the time you're 18, it was going to be hard for you to receive Jesus. You know that the stat now says that the, main, the prime time for somebody to receive Jesus, you know what it is? At 13 years old. At 13 years old. Look at this, this right here. Okay? Between 4 and 14, almost everybody that receives it, 90%. And then you see the drop-off between 15 and 30 and 30 plus. What does that mean? That when our kids are young, their hearts are tender to the things of God. 
But the enemy has a strategy and a plan that wants to wipe them out by the time that they get to high school. So if we don't get them early, it might be too late. So we need to be intentional about what we're doing with our kids. So our 13-year-old, man, they're going to be superstars in this place. We're going to be going after those 13-year-olds. We're going to be working starting at 13 with them. So now you see, all right? So by the way, our youth team, all these guys that stood up a moment ago, they're going to be outside. So if you have any questions, you could go to them, all right? Ask them questions about, about what's going on. Actually, we're going to have a table out there for the small group fair because we're going to be launching these small groups with the kids, all right? So we want you, if you have children, young people, 13, you know, and up, go and sign them up, all right? Go and sign them up. My wife and I have taken it upon ourselves in the season, and this season of small groups to start discipling the small, to, to disciple our youth leaders. And we're meeting with them every Thursday night. And let me tell you, it's one of the best times that I spend in the whole week pouring into them and seeing what God is going to do in their lives. So we're so excited about that. So if you look, look over here, into the plan that we have, the plan that we have as a church starts with them being toddlers all the way to they're 21 years old. You know that the MTV generation said, had this slogan, from the cradle to the grave. And that's what they wanted to do, to put in their music into the hearts of the kids. Well, you know what? We have that plan, but for Jesus, from being toddlers all the way to their old and white hair and say, you know what? I remember that teacher that used to speak the Bible to me. I remember that person that used to pray for me. I remember that person that used to build into my life and believed in me when nobody else believed in me. And then not only do we have our G2G ministry, but we have our beautiful NUMA Christian Academy. For those that don't know, we have a school here that goes all the way from infants to eighth grade. All right. And uh, God is doing some amazing things. We have uh, Emmerich, which are our dean of students. Emmerich, if you could just stand up. Anybody else that works in our school here this morning? No? All right. This gentleman right here, he is from France. And we have Evelyn back there as well. And if you have any questions about our school, you could go and and you ask them, why do you have a school pastor? Because I don't want to have to wait till Friday and to Sundays to have our kids. Man, if we could have them every day of the week and start working with them and pouring into them, God will do amazing, amazing things. They have Bible class every day here at our school. They have chapel once a week. And now they're going to start implementing this process of small groups in our school which is going to be so powerful from the first grade all the way to eighth grade. Our kids are going to be paired up in small groups, all right? Let me tell you something, church, worship team, you guys can come up. I'm a firm believer that Christian education is the way to go in the times that we're living. Let me tell you, things are getting scary out there. It's getting more and more difficult with the public education. And I, I want to tell you something. There's great opportunities. Maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor, I don't have the money to pay. Let me tell you, there's great opportunities right now given by the gover governor of our state for you guys to be able to access funds, to be able to choose where do you want to send your kids to school. They're actually putting the choice in the parents' hands right now. If going to public school in my day was crazy, I don't know how it's to go to public school now. But I want to make sure that my kids get the right education. I want you to know that our school right now is reaching 80% capacity. We're at 80% capacity. Next year, okay, we're starting with a ninth grade in person here. 
and the year after that with a 10th grade, and the year after that with a junior year, and the year after that with a senior, with a 12th grade. So we're going to start building up our school in this place. We believe in that next generation. If you want more information about our school, you can go out there to the information center. So in the last few minutes that I have here this morning, I told you there's three things that I need from each and every one of you. Write these things down. Number one, these are the practical steps. If we're going to stand up for this generation, one, I need you to pray for this generation. I need you to pray for this generation. Pastor, what am I going to pray for them? Write this down. Pray for them to fear and reverence God. That will be a generation that has a reverence for God in their heart, that they have the fear of God. Psalm 34, 11 says, Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I want to make sure that the generation raises up fearing God, honoring Him. Number two, pray for them to be surrounded with divine favor. I pray that over my kids every day. Lord, I ask your favor over them. Wherever they go, Lord, I ask your favor rest upon their head. I declare you're going to be with them, Lord. Divine favor over them. Psalm 512 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with your favor as with a shield. Oh, man. We're living in a day and age that we drop off our kids at school and we don't even know we're going to get them back at the end of the day with all the craziness going on. I ask, Lord, Lord, put protection around them. Put your mighty angels around my kids, Lord. Don't let no hair of their head even be touched. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. I pray that over my kids every day. And then you're going to pray for God to bring them godly friends and influences. I go, Lord, put away from them all the friends that are going to lead them into the wrong things, Lord. But bring people that are going to encourage them in their walk with you. Put people, Lord, that are going to encourage them in the plans and the purposes that you have for their lives. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Number two, the second thing we're going to be praying for this generation. Okay, I'm sorry. The second thing we're going to be doing for this next generation is prioritizing church. And I already mentioned that. Prioritizing church. We need to make this a priority. It's not, if I feel good on Sunday morning, I'm going to go to church. If I didn't have a long Saturday night, then I'll wake up and go to church. No, we need to make coming to church a priority. Why? Luke 4, 16, talking about Jesus, it says, And he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as it was his custom. What was his custom? To go to the synagogue every Shabbat. If you know a little bit of the Jewish culture, you know that once Shabbat comes, everything stops. And it becomes about him. Everything closes. My wife and I had to wait five days for our luggage to get to Israel because it was lost on a plane. It didn't get there. And the day that we arrived, it was the day of Shabbat. I said, oh no, nobody's working today or tomorrow. Like, but I need my clothes. I was wearing Pastor Santi's clothes, which he weighs 170 pounds, and I weigh 225. You don't want to look at the pictures from that trip to Israel. 
And I was like, what happened? Shabbat happened while my luggage was long. It's a custom for them to go to church. It's a custom for them to take their children to church. We need to prioritize church. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, it says, And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds and not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we need to come to church if we're going to make our kids and youth a priority. And the third thing that I need from you the third thing that I need from you is participate in the, de in the development of the younger generation. Participate in the development of this younger generation. 2 Timothy 3, 14. It says, but as for you, continue and what you have learned and become convinced of because you know from those whom you've learned it. Be an example to them. And I'm just going to give you this for you to write down. Be an example to them. 2 Timothy 3.14. Be available to them. Psalm 90.12. Be positive about them. Don't be always bringing down your kids. You need to be cheering them on. You know, a lot of times when I'm dealing with some of the issues with my kids, I go, you know what? This that you're doing right now, this is not who you are. This is who God showed me you're going to be. And you need to line up to that because that's the purpose that God has for your, for your life. Not this that I'm seeing. Let's go. I believe in you. Let's move forward. Be positive about them. Romans 4, 17. And last, that was it. That was it. Romans 4, 17. So today, church, I stand as your pastor here in front of you, calling you to stand up for the next generation. We all have a role. We all have a part. We're going to do our best. We need your best right now. I want to ask you to close your eyes where you're there for a moment. Just have a moment with Jesus. Just have a moment with him. He's here. His Holy Spirit is in this room right now. And I know that there's people in this room today. You might have come here this morning or you might have logged in through that camera. Maybe you're watching a recording of this. You're like, Pastor, I don't even think I could do that for the next generation. I don't even know if I know God in that way. I don't even know if I have a relationship with him the way that I need to have it. I, I don't even know if I would die today if I would go to heaven. Right there with your eyes closed. Just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to me right now. And let him speak to you. Oh 
sing hallelujah Christ is risen oh what a and head bowed, whether you're here in person or you're watching online. The song says that forgiveness was bought through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was on that cross, he was paying for your sins and my sins. And the Bible says that we all sin every day and we fall short of the glory of God. But today, I want to invite you to come to him. I want to invite you to come to him. The Bible says that all those that come to him will never be put to shame. If you come to him today, you'll find forgiveness for your sin and you'll find a new life in Jesus Christ with your heavenly father. So if you've never made that decision of inviting him into your heart and receiving him as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. With eyes closed and head bowed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You're going to say with me, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for coming to earth to live a perfect life and to pay for my sins dying on the cross. Jesus, I believe that you rose again and that you offer me eternal life through your resurrection. And right now, I invite you into my heart and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, take me by the hand into the arms of my Heavenly Father. And Father, let me receive all the love that you have for me from this moment on. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, lead me on the journey to the purpose that you have for my life. Thank you, God, for receiving me into your family. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.
and we all say thanks again for listening if you liked what you've heard subscribe to our channel and share it with others now for more content from numa and to connect with us visit our webpage at numachurchmiami.org we love you and we hope to connect with you soon